0: Happy birthday to you. I thought you were going to say happy birthday, Mr. President.
1: No, happy birthday to the uh, Bookshelf Boyfriends podcast. You have been a lovely podcast for a year. It's been amazing. We've done some crazy things and uh, hope to continue to do those crazy things. Still can't believe it's a year. It's just kind of insane to me.
0: And we yeah. are on episode number nine.
1: Doesn't feel like episode number nine. Feels like episode 1,000,
0: 9067. Well, <laughs> like, obviously people are gonna know these are pre-recorded. So <laughs> all Whatever. of our episodes are. And I was counting episodes the other day and we're at like 60 some ep- 67 episodes, like almost 70 episodes that's because we're we're the shit that's why
1: we the shit we them boys hold up hold up that's (laughs) the anyways um i am trying to think of what we need to tell the people we have a giveaway going on stevie tell them about that
0: uh second chance romance
1: very exciting very exciting stuff um Obviously, we have a Patreon. If you want to go check that out, can't donate to the Patreon, make sure to leave us a like comment or a a like comment on our Facebook page or leave us a review on any of the platforms that you listen on. That would be cool. Um, We're on Amazon Prime. Amazon. Yeah, right. Amazon Prime and Audible. And Audible, which is just cool. So make sure to go check us out there. But I think that's
0: all that I know that I need to say. I'm bad at this. (laughs) You would think after 365 days that we'd be better at this, but, uh. Apparently not. Nah, (laughs) we're not professionals, guys. You guys all been told this.
1: Yeah, for real skis.
0: And we'll continue to tell you this. We are not professionals. We just, what it, (sighs) there's an episode of Gilmore Girls. We're winging it. Look, there's an episode of Gilmore Girls, and I think it's, like, later, it's lasers later in the seasons. Have you watched Gilmore Girls? Like, is that a show you watch? Because no, I know that you did not. not watch One Tree Hill.
1: It is not a show I watch. I'm not, like, a One Tree Hill, Gilmore Girl-type person.
0: You need to watch Gilmore Girls. You would find it funny in their banter. But anyway, there was an episode where Lorelai talks about this handyman being semi-lucid handyman. handyman. And how forgetful Floyd is. And I was like, that's me. I'm semi-lucid. Today is semi-lucid, Stevie. Pretty much. I think that's how everybody is right now. Just like, we just how the, I mean, there's just
1: a bunch of shit going down in the world. And everything sucks. Everybody sucks.
0: I mean, we and got everything. Ida destroying p- places in New Orleans. Uh, Maryland's being destroyed by Ida's tropical storm right now. <laughs> there's this
1: second wave of COVID with this Delta variant. That nearly um, killed me,
0: I believe. I didn't enough to not do the podcast. though. guys, can you tell? Yeah. So
1: I don't even, I don't even know what day. Days. i delusional. Life is a disaster. Who even knows at this point anymore? Honestly. Anywho, so I think that's all that we need to cover. I'm going to read the bio of the lady that we're going to be interviewing. Stevie, do you need to say anything else? Uh, No. All right. Lucy is a Wall Street Journal and number one Amazon Kindle store bestseller of romantic comedies and contemporary romance. She grew up in rural Pennsylvania with a lot of time on her hands and a big imagination. She was the oldest of three in a book-obsessed house. Hold dinners were often spent in silence while family members had their noses buried in books. A passion for writing took hold at five when she taught her brother to write his name on the bathroom door. She started on paper in the second grade, first about pilgrims on the Mayflower, and over the years graduated to essays, articles, blogs, and finally books. Pretend to Your Mind was her runaway hit, and she's been writing full-time ever since. Non-romancing romance job writing jobs have included event planner bartender newspaper lackey and yoga instructor lucy and mr lucy enjoy spending time with their 1.7 million nieces and nephews and laying on the beaches with umbrella drinks let's go chat with lucy score
0: like can we talk about this, this job <laughs> i love it this resume like i'm impressed I know. Like, I feel like she's done a little bit of everything. I know. I love it. All right. I'm ready to go talk to (laughs) her.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on our anniversary, Lucy Score. Welcome to the Bookshelf Boyfriends podcast. Cool. Thank you for having
2: me. I'm excited
1: to be here. I am, we are both super stoked to have you on we are super excited to get started and just ask you all the questions. I can just already tell that you're going to be such a nice person. Um, I, <laughs> I like to start this out with like the most awkward conversation breaker ever and that is how is the weather where you're at? <laughs> Well, um, I don't, I don't know where you two
2: are, but I'm in Pennsylvania and we have Hurricane Ida here hanging out with us, uh, just, you're, you're with me then you've, you've got, you've got the flash flood warnings and everything. Uh, we live on a hill, so we're fine. Um, it's nothing compared to what Louisiana faced. So yeah, super rainy, dreary day. I actually was excited to get up and put on sweatpants for the first time since last winter.
1: <laughs> I would. I live in North Carolina, so oh. I, mean, I haven't even looked outside. I think it's raining. I think it's been raining, but I live in like the area I live in is like a big basin, right? So it's like mm. we can't, hurricanes don't happen, and we don't get nearly as much rain to create a flood. So I just feel like oh, it's that's like nice. That's a that's, yeah, a, that's a nice
2: safe space. Do you have alligators?
1: I we do not have
0: alligators. Oh, okay. All, All right. Better.
1: Yeah, and I did, I also did not know that we did not have alligators for a very long time. I thought that, I genuinely believed that alligators were just an animal that lived everywhere. Like, I Uh, didn't know that they were, like, fucking native to, like, the Everglades or some shit. Right, right. But, you know, yeah, they've been, like migrating north i here,
2: and you know to me alligators are basically a natural disaster so i i just every time i would go to this conference in florida and i would look at like this pond or the hotel has all of these canals i'm like there's alligators in there they're just waiting Absolutely. to bite someone's
0: face off oh my god that- you would not like my grandparents house because of course my grandparents live in fort Lauderdale. uh-huh so we would vacation there every summer as kids and their house is on a canal, so you would walk out the back oh. door and there would be an alligator in the yard. Oh, no, a no, way.
2: no, no! I can't. Like you're hanging
0: I... out by the pool, and I'm like, "Oh, what is okay?" A trying to get it back in the canal. We're gonna, we're <laughs> gonna take a
1: pause on the national, national Geographic because <laughs> I need to say something that because now that we're talking about it, and obviously I have nobody to talk to about this because I saw it on TikTok at like 3 a.m. and I'm like. <laughs> looking around my house and I'm like oh my god who do I share this information with so okay. I'm gonna share it with you guys did you know that like um ball pythons are overrunning the Florida snake population and
0: no, yeah
1: because so like people buy these exotic pets right and don't get me wrong I love cool pets like I want a tarantula but then at the same time, the humanitarian in me is just like, don't you dare put that mm. beautiful creature into a cage. Don't you do it. <laughs> so I don't do it. But I did not know that people will buy these exotic, you know, like ball pythons and, you know, release them because they either get too big or they're too much to care for or whatever. And now they're overrunning the Florida population of snakes. And wow. I I thought so- that how native creatures how big does a ball python get oh i mean they can get up to like 20 feet long i mean they're pretty i mean like on the scale like even though that sounds like a pretty long snake right yeah it's one of the smaller species of python uh but it's like eating the vegetation and and it's mating with the other like native florida snakes and i'm like bro I know you guys have watched Lake Placid, okay? Oh, you yeah. guys need to yeah. get together. Yeah. Jesus.
2: Man, okay. All right. And maybe just stop releasing your snakes or- Or, you know, know, I don't know. Don't buy
1: exotic <laughs> animals when you live in the United States of America.
2: Mr. Lucy has a snake. Um, <gasps> he has a Colombian red-tailed boa.
1: Oh, see what I'm saying? I love uh, Yeah,
2: and he, he got it in college when it was cool not knowing the life expectancy of a uh, Colombian red-tailed boa is, um,
1: alive forever it's
2: 40 years. Uh, yes. He's, he's 30 now.
1: <laughs> oh my God. I'm so, I want to see it. <laughs> I, I love exotic pets. It just stresses me out for myself. Yes. Cause I'm like, Oh God, don't do it, but do it, but yeah. don't do it. But, so don't, have but to, don't
2: do it. Don't, but don't, don't have do a household it. pet that you have to feed other household pets too. You know, and like I it's just,
1: have, a rat i have a rat and her name is calypso Aww. and i think that she would genuinely kill me she would kill me in my sleep if i attempted to buy an exotic animal like a snake yeah
0: yeah oh that would just be so rude meanwhile i have five cats a dog and two rabbits so <laughs> <laughs> <It's normal. laughs> all right so we just took a pause on the next
1: graphic <laughs> channel moving forward um moving to book questions Um, We're going to jump right in and talking about your Riley Thorne books, which is a set of books about a reluctant psychic and her private investigator boyfriend Nick. Okay, I have got to know what what happened like did you just wake up and think like you know what this is cool. So like, tell us the inspiration. Yeah.
2: Well, the inspiration for this came a long time ago uh, when Mr. Lucy and I had just first started dating. He was working for a private investigator. And one of our, one of our first dates that he took me on was to a junkyard so he could clean out the personal effects from a, a wrecked car. And I just remember being there thinking this needs to go in a book. And I don't think I was writing books at the time I was thinking about maybe someday writing books and I just remember like going through this car gloves on and everything I'm like this this needs to go in a book I mean what if we find something in here what's this gonna mean this is so that stayed with me for years and finally became uh the first book Riley Thorne and the dead guy next door Um, the psychic thing though, (laughs) Riley being a psychic, I don't remember where that came from because for the longest time she was not psychic. She was just a regular person. Uh, the original title for it was the tag along. So she was just this regular girl who got caught up in the, in the whole private investigating thing. Uh, but I don't remember exactly where the inspiration for her being psychic came from, but as soon as it hit me, I was like, yes, (laughs) yes.
1: I was just like, I just love how it's like an episode of like CSI your know, <laughs> first date with your husband. I'm just like, oh, that's like the coolest thing ever. Here I am, like, oh yeah, I went to the movies for my first date and you <laughs> fucking, you know, like CSI Miami version. And I'm like, you know, you know, screw that. I don't where are people finding these cool dates? These are ridiculous. Um, no, it gives me, I don't know if you've ever read it's called How to Get Away With A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. Mm, no haven't. i'm looking up the, the author it's a trilogy and then she hasn't really by holly jackson she hasn't released the other one yet but there's two of them out and this is the vibe that it gives me it's just like this girl who has accidentally stumbled upon private investigation like she never meant to become this person but now she is and so I, I really love the vibe of it. I really love like that whole, like, awesome. I'm i not supposed to be here. <laughs> <laughs> very Veronica Marsh. Yeah, it's very, I love it. So awesome. the first book is Riley Thorne and the Dead Guy Next Door. Did mm-hmm. anything or any of the characters really surprise you when you started writing this first book? All of them. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I feel
2: like it was just such a, I was like, okay, I'm just going to try to write this and see what happens. I feel like it's just going to be a hot mess. And I fell in love with that hot mess. And uh, for those of you who haven't read it, uh, Riley is in the first book. She's down on her luck. She's divorced. She's working a dead-end job. And she is living in a crumbling mansion on Front Street in Harrisburg with a whole bunch of uh, elderly roommates, like very elderly. Most of them are like in their 80s and they're all very quirky in their own special ways. And um, I just loved Mrs. Penny who is this like wild card, 80-year-old crazy person. I yeah. love her. I want to be her when I grow up. Um, but yeah, all, all of the characters just, I, I, I don't know where they came from, but they, they were awesome. So I, I put this book out and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Oh, I really, really want readers to love this because I have so many more ideas for books in this series. And I just had to hold my breath because- you know, it was a bit of a departure from my normal small town rom com stuff, and uh, I wasn't sure if readers were going to go along with me for the ride, but they did. Thank goodness. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> I also really love the cover. I'm a sucker for like a very artsy cover, and so I love thank the cover. Thank you.
2: Thanks, and that's the actual skyline of Harrisburg. Oh, <gasps> look at you! You're yeah. so smart. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, it. I, I don't know if you can see behind me. So where I'm pointing, that is the dome of the Capitol building.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. I just noticed that that is also the cover. Yes. Yeah, the pink version. <laughs> yeah so, I get I get but, a big poster for every yeah. release. <laughs> so uh, book two is called Riley Thorne and the Co- Corpse in the Closet. <laughs> I, I'm a sucker for like a really good title. And these are great. And they very much go along with like the aesthetic and vibe of this book. And I am such a sucker for a book that like it fits everything. Like the it just, it's it checks all my boxes, okay? So you. can you maybe tell fans what they can expect to see from this book and Riley and her adventures? Uh,
2: well, in the second book, <clears throat> Corpse in the Closet, Riley is a little bit less of a reluctant psychic. Um, so she is trying to work on using her powers to actually help um, with a murder investigation. And Nick, her boyfriend, he's the PI. He does not want to get, he doesn't want her to be involved in the investigation at all because. I won't spoil what happens at the end of book one but there there was danger yeah uh, so he is brand new to relationships he's never been in an actual committed monogamous relationship before so he doesn't know what to do with all these feelings and he's very overprotective of her so um it's it's a really fun exploration of the next stage of their relationship and escalating um her role in solving some of these cases uh so that's that's what's going on I did bring on another character that was only mentioned well I guess she appeared at the very end of the first book but Riley's grandmother uh Riley comes from a long long line of female psychics so I really got to mess around with that that was a lot of fun writing those scenes with all of the generations of the thorn women together
1: listen I'm telling you okay so I'm not a psychic I have never claimed to be a psychic but I I am my
0: spiritual advisor
1: I am a I am the <laughs> spiritual advisor of my group, okay, because I come from a long line of very spiritual women, and so, like, my aunt Lala, who is actually my mother's aunt, okay, is, uh, like, she does this for a living, like, she's psychic for a living, like, she runs, like, wow. has, like, this little mo- mobile home, <clears throat> and inside of it is just, like, like, all things you would think you could buy inside of a spiritual guru shop, you know, and so yeah. she, this is what she does for a living, and she does psychic readings and stuff like that. And then, so my grams was the same way and my mother. And so I come from a very long line of very spiritual women. I am not psychic. I just want everybody on this freaking podcast to know that. But, <laughs>
2: but you like, know, you know, some, You've but got I know end. things. I yeah, know that yeah.
1: I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I love that. I love the whole vibe and aesthetic and I'm super excited for book two. Um, so I'm going to let Stevie take the next few questions so that my voice doesn't, you know, give out halfway through this podcast.
0: All right. <laughs> She'll be wheezing.
1: Don't talk about me like that.
0: <laughs> You're my podcast host of 365 days. I get two now.
1: I know. Okay.
0: Go. Um, okay, so I'm gonna dive into the small town romance world because you actually wrote one of my favorite small town series in that's Benevolence. And actually one of the authors I PA for and I are both obsessed with this series. Oh my god, that's awesome. And we were just talking about this last night because both of our favorite books is Protecting What's Mine. (gasps) That's
2: awesome.
0: We are huge fans of Link and Mac. (laughs) What's not to love with Link, right? (laughs) I need more of him. (laughs) I don't think I was quite done with him when I read the book the first time. (laughs) So I've always been curious what inspired this series and the town. Well, for
2: so it all started with Pretend You're Mine. Uh, that originally came out in 2015. And the whole idea for that book came from one of those viral videos of a soldier coming home and surprising his family.
1: Bro, they get me every got fucking Every time. It. Just
2: tears forever. And then, like, when
1: I think that I'm away from it, it's like here yeah. comes Memorial Day or some shit. Yeah, and like, no. Oh. And then they have them like
2: coming home to their dogs and yeah no I'm a sucker for that I
0: can't fucking do it
2: so the whole book started with that scene where he comes home and surprises her and like I just built the whole story around that and as I was doing that um I I wrote it as a standalone you know I wanted it to be like here it is you know it's one and done but I just had I loved those characters so much and Uh, I loved the town because they're you know they're no it's just a typical small town you know they're nosy they're in your business everybody knows everybody else everyone's always willing to lend a hand Uh, I just love that vibe
1: I grew up in I promise it's not nearly as fun as what you think it is.
2: so I waited a few years and uh, readers consistently kept reaching out and asking if there would be more they wanted Aldo's book uh, they wanted to know about Link. So I finally, I don't even know how many years later, it was It was a couple of years I waited before I went back and I wrote um, Aldo and Gloria's book, which takes place in the same timeline as Pretend You're Mine. And then I wrote Link and Mac's book and that actually fast forwards to about five years past Pretend You're Mine. Uh, so it's also kind of like a bonus epilogue for the first two couples because you get to see them well into their marriages.
1: I love sure. listen the first book that i ever read by you was rock bottom girl
2: oh, i love that book
1: and listen to me so you have got to understand you can't see me right now but i'm very like dark and grimy person okay so when i stumbled across this book and i started reading it i am not a romantic comedy kind of person but I was reading it and I was like, this is, the, this is fucking hilarious. I was like, I love this book. It's crazy. <laughs> and then I recommended it to everybody and everybody was like, what the fuck are you reading? <laughs> like, it, was like, it was just like, so out of my realm, like from what I normally like read and recommend. And I was like, bro, I know it's Just crazy, do it. <laughs> but you just need to read it. And then from there, I read everything else. Wow. But I was like, bro. I was like, I'm telling you, this shit is fire. It's so good. It's so fire. But I just I needed I just needed to get that out there. That I loved, I love that book so much. I am passionate. I do too.
2: I do too. I mean, it's the ultimate small town lady jam.
0: <laughs> it's so freaking funny. Oh my god, it's funny. We were Thanks. just even before we recorded our intro, we were talking about um uh, whiskey chaser. spirit
1: spirit animal bro my actual spirit animal I love her when Claire and I sat
2: down to start plotting out like we didn't have anything we didn't know where it was located we didn't know how many family members there were going to be I was like okay well I've had this idea circling around in my head this country girl in cowboy boots I
0: freaking love her. and a denim
2: skirt standing on the in the bed of a pickup truck chugging a beer mm-hmm. and and then spiking it when she's done and, and this, this guy like, and this guy eyes. in like a suit standing there watching her I was like I don't know what this is but I feel like we could build something around this
1: that's <laughs> so. like the epitome of Scarlett's character too like, yeah, like, yeah. That's like that's who she is I loved it I loved yeah. it And I think you do such a good job at giving your female characters like these little quirky things where it's like, I genuinely feel like I could sit and have like a girl's night with these people because I feel so like they feel so real to me. Like I thought Marley was just like the most awkward, funniest fucking person I have ever met in my whole life. And not to mention, you know, cry a little bit with like the underlying story. And I was like, oh my God, I got tears in my eyes a little bit. Oh my God, this is such a good book. So
2: (laughs) Cause you care about her by the end, you know, you're invested. She's your, <laughs> she's your friend. She's our
1: friend. I know. And, and you know,
2: want good things for her.
1: <laughs> literally though, Scarlet is the epitome of my best friend, like li- <laughs> real life, best friend, swear to God, that's literally her. And when I was reading her, I was like, oh my God, I would give anything for my real life best friend to read. So she could, in- so I could introduce her to her book world for person. Her because doppelganger, her yeah. fictional doppelganger. Yeah, but she doesn't fucking read. So, darn you, Hannah. Her loss. Yeah, it's the worst.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so any? Do you have any plans to either return to small town romance, or even to add more to benevolence eventually? I
2: don't have any plans for more benevolence, but I will always be. Everything will there will be more small town romance. Um, I'm working on one right now that I'm really excited about. But yeah, I just, I love small town because the setting becomes another character to the story. And yeah, it's just just so. such a, a fun way to round out the, the storytelling. And uh, I just, I love the small town vibe.
1: And that's like what will make or break a small town romance for me. And because I'm a very much like, if I'm, Okay, if I'm not reading, like, something dark and very scary, I will read, um, like, I'm a very much a mood reader, so if mm-hmm. I'm a mood for, like, a small town vibe, right, making or breaking a small town romance series for me is this, is this town. Like, if I don't feel like I could walk down to the Piggly Wiggly and, like, know where the fuck it's at, okay, mm-hmm. and I don't want it, okay, I don't want it, don't give it to me. Right. So if I mean, if you don't know the name of the local cafe or the, the little uh, old lady running the diner down the street, right? You right. Advice when you go to get your coffee, I don't want it. If your Sunday school
2: teacher from when you were a kid doesn't have like her house behind that hedgerow, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, yeah, that's what it's that. all about.
1: It's all about it history. <laughs> That'll make it or break it for me because growing up in a small town, I genuinely know what that's like. Like I was, who were talking about the other day where I was telling him about how my grandma would literally know like what I was doing before I even did it. Like <laughs> we have Sunday dinners; it's a very like traditional thing for my grandma. Like if you're not at fucking Sunday dinner, like at you know, and Sunday dinner is at like three p.m. <laughs> so, you're, you're not there. She's pissed off. She wants to know where you're at. So Sunday's obviously the day after Saturday, and I was in high school at this point, and I was over. And so I go, and she's like, "I heard what you were doing last night. Oh. Oh, you know, Billy Bob's sons down the street." And I'm like, "Grandma, I what? How do you even? Like, I don't even understand how it got back to you this quickly." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, literally, I'm a sucker for those. Those are my favorite. All right, Steve, you can now ask your favorite question.
0: Okay, so if you could pick any of your series to become a TV or movie, who would? which one you would you choose and who would you cast in the roles? oh my
2: gosh picking like
0: okay. a favorite child i know <sighs> oh boy okay <sighs> this is tough this is i
2: really should have thought about this more um okay so right <laughs> now i would say riley thorne because i think that would just, well see but that would that would i think that would be a good movie if we were talking like a tv series um i think bootleg would be amazing um or Blue Moon, uh, so all of them basically. So I'm no help whatsoever. I think Bootleg would be a really cool TV series just because the way each book unfolds, it's, you know, you have the couple who's falling in love, but it's also advancing the storyline of the mystery that doesn't get solved until the very last book. Uh, so I think that would be really cool. If we're talking straight up movies, I would put Rock Bottom Girl on the big screen and Riley Thorne on the big screen for sure
0: right passionflix netflix i'm telling you right now rock bottom girl would make such a fucking good movie
2: it would it totally would and like you know i come at it from a a really practical point of view like nothing has to explode you don't fly anyone to
1: any like exotic locales yeah it would be a really inexpensive movie to make (laughs) and that's the thing i loved about it was that of the simplicity of the characters the plot and all of it, but like also the dynamic emotions I was feeling. I was like, I am so fucking attached to this book right now. Yeah, I, it it needs
2: to be a movie. Basically. And
1: all that is happening is a JV soccer coach. I'm confused. <laughs> so I I love it. I love that book. Also, if if I glitch a little bit, my connection is a little unsteady. And I think that's because I'm about to get a big old storm outside. Ooh
0: but so uh, basically you're going to get what we're getting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to let you guys know. All right. Sorry. I had a bed that was flooding this morning. Thanks oh to the gosh. Morning. It's like, I mean, it was like Noah's Ark in my bedroom. It's oh starting. my gosh. I That's... had a very emotional morning. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so, good. What's next for 2021?
2: I am working on a book that, oh gosh, I really hope it'll come out this year. It's, I've been working on it for months um I love it it's amazing it's one of those books where I think part of the problem is I I love it so much I don't want to stop writing I don't want to be done with it I you know I just keep adding these layers and (laughs) I I have I mean you guys have read these books you know that I write really long (laughs) stories uh so this one is definitely shaping up to be another long one it's small town set in northern Virginia um oh
1: no I see you, Nova, Nova with the
2: traffic. And I always, every time I pick a setting for a, a new book, I always ask my readers, I'm like, tell me everything you know about this. Literally the only thing that like 900 readers could agree on was traffic.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. They're like, it's
2: just traffic. It's just traffic. Like when I, I wrote, when I wrote uh, bootleg springs, they're like the pepperoni rolls and the this and the that. And, you know, nobody knows where anybody else is because there's no road signs. And, but uh, yeah, Nova, they're like, oh, traffic. Traffic is horrible, terrible traffic. So it's like, all right, I can, I can do that.
0: <laughs> Look, I'm a Marylander and we are very accustomed to Nova's <laughs> traffic yeah, going yeah. to the
1: <laughs> I spent my summers in Leesburg so i love i gotta i gotta i got deep love for nova i love mm. that place
0: so i'm excited to read it i can't wait i oh, used to go to concerts in, in northern virginia at a little place called jam and java oh nice. i have no
1: idea what the hell that is
0: it was okay. a, it's a little coffee shop that used to have these co- like pop rock concerts and stuff like that it was very small it was in a strip mall that's it cute though that that's funny cool. at the time that i was going to this
1: somebody write this down for a book <laughs> Anyways, so we're going to shift to writing questions and I'm going to handle this portion. So when did you first realize that you wanted to be a writer slash author? Because I know that that's different for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, uh,
2: I knew I wanted to be a journalist. I thought that I wanted to be Lois Lane, uh, thanks to the adventures of Lois and Clark that came out when I was an impressionable teenager. <laughs> I, I was like, it. wow, being a reporter, super awesome and so exciting. Um, and my mom kept saying, why don't you think about being a novelist? Cause in my family, we all love to read. Yeah. Uh, we're huge into books. My mom, uh, she's retired now, but she was a middle school librarian. So we just, Oh my God. I books, just books, I books, books love you know, mother. she's yeah. She, uh, if you ever need book recommendations, she has a million. Um, but I, I was like, no, writing books is too hard. I want to be a journalist because I'm also super nosy. So I love to know what's going on everywhere. Uh, so I went to school for journalism, but I took a whole bunch of creative writing classes while I was there. Um, and I've always written little short stories as kind of like a hobby when I was in high school and, and, uh, I got my internship and hated working for a newspaper. I just absolutely hated it. It was awful. It was not the right fit. I, you know, I was like, Oh, wait a minute. So being surrounded by doom and gloom and bad news all day, every day, isn't good for your psyche. What? So <laughs> what? I just don't even understand. Um, <laughs> So I went back to just writing little uh, short stories and my brother was actually the one who was like, hey, there's this thing called self-publishing. Did you hear about it? And uh, he would fill me in every once in a while about all these indie authors who were selling their books on Amazon. And, and I, I thought it was really interesting, but at the time I was, I was working for another newspaper in like a happy division where we did yeah. magazines and uh, Fifty Shades of Grey came out. And it was just being passed around the newsroom, like lady to lady to lady. I and there was such a buzz about the book. And I remember my, um, my manager, my supervisor was like, oh, he, he came over, it was sitting on my desk. He's like, oh, I can't believe you have that on your desk. Aren't you embarrassed? I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> lady porn. come on. I mean, like, I'm proud. I'm I read books. I'm proud of what I read. And I just remember while I was reading it, I was like, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe I should give this a shot. Maybe I could write a book. Um, So I buckled down and it took me like a year to write a novella. (laughs) And uh, that's, that's basically, that was the beginning of it. You know, it was just, it wasn't until E.L. James and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe this is something that real people can do, you know? So here i am i
1: love that i'm telling you 50 shades of gray was like the catalytic moment for so many careers
0: it just really just, was and
1: just romance in general it yeah. was like i okay so i'm a little younger and my generation i feel like is very much more like we're very open about our sexuality and the things that we do right and i feel like that was not something that was very accepted you know Mm -hmm. like years back so like for example I tell this story all the time and it's about my grandma and I busted her on Thanksgiving because I was like cleaning off this table or whatever and Fifty Shades Freed was like sitting on the table and I was like grandma I was like grandma I was like like, are you reading this and she was like no that's your aunt's and I was like grandma don't you lie to me right now this is the Lord's (laughs) house and she was like (laughs) She was like, oh my God. She was like, don't tell anybody. And I was like, no, I'm not going to tell anybody. I've already read it. I've read it like so many times. And she's like, I've had to Google a few things. <laughs> Grandma, no. Love it. Yes. Yeah, so it was just like, it's a very different, like it's a very different thing. And I think that 50 Shades of Grey was very much for, and I guess I don't want to say like older generation because then I'm going to be offending women. I'm not saying that. I'm saying- I'm saying, like women who came from a different generation, I feel like it was a very just like catalytic moment for them to be like, "Yo, dog, I read porn. I read this, okay, mm-hmm. and it's fine, and there's nothing wrong with it." And it's yeah, incredible. yeah, it really drew back
2: the curtain on like reading. It was so popular, people couldn't just pretend they weren't reading it. You know, it was absolutely wildly, wildly successful. So no one could say, "Oh." I- I'm not, nobody I know ever read that book, you know, it's, it yeah, was just, exactly. it just kind of revealed to everybody like, oh
1: my gosh, I'm not the only one getting these yeah, and books it's like out nobody, at the library. Yeah. And like, <laughs> nobody felt like they needed to just be reading like the Fabios on like right. you know, the shelf or whatever. Like there were other options you had. And mm-hmm. I felt very liberated. Because prior to reading E.L. James, I was obsessed with like the, the Black Dagger Brotherhood Society. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's like Christian Grey, but vampire style. Okay. So gotcha. like I've been reading some like nitty gritty vampires for a long time. And I've had to like use like the book sheets over the, my book my hardbacks so people don't see the covers because the covers are a little risky. <laughs> and I'm here I am in like high school reading these. And people are like, oh, yeah. what are you reading? And I'm like, oh, Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> like, something something literate, you know like literary yeah and yep. I don't know not exactly what you think you're reading <laughs> gray came out and I was like oh hell yeah watch this I'm reading about sexy vampires who tie me up that's what I'm reading about yep bring it so I love it I'm here for it I'm here I Shades of gray is an iconic movement I love it so awesome. are you a plotter pantser or somewhere in between
2: both. I always start plotting. Uh, I always start with a outline and character sketches, but once I'm writing and I'm in the book, then the other 50% just kind of happens. Like I plot out the main points of the story, but there's so much that I never think about when I'm just in like outlining mode. So every single time that I sit down to write, I'm always surprised by what happens. You know, it's what Comes up and you know I'm like, oh well, what's their reaction to this? I I don't want to fast forward through that. What you know, what does this mean to this storyline? So, yeah, that's where I get in tr- into trouble. Do you
1: ever get into like your outline and like you read you read a chapter that you were supposed to write and you're like, how the hell did I think I was going to make a whole ass chapter? I don't- <sighs> oh, <laughs> like, ever do that? I
2: do I think that all the time. I'm the opposite way where I'm like, okay, so this will happen in a chapter, and I'm like, oh my god, that's like four chapters. That's that's the thing, the thing that sets it up, the thing that happens, yeah. his reaction to it, her re- I was like, no, that's okay. So that is not a chapter that is, you know, like
1: four, four. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So do you have any interesting writing quirks? Like when you sit down to write, like, do you have to have, like, you have to put on a special pair of socks. You have to always be eating Twizzlers, like wear the same hoodie, like anything weird. Yeah. I only write naked. I'm just <laughs> kidding I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> bro I was like I was gonna try and hold it together but I was like no she's serious <laughs> no I
2: uh, I do have a lot of writer quirks I always headphones always um yeah. I have a writer's playlist a writing playlist that I use uh and then it depends, like if I'm really stressed and really, really need to focus, I'll go on to like YouTube and I'll pick up like the Harry Potter study sessions. Um, it's like background ambiance. Uh, oh, so, so if I really, really need to focus, that's, that's what's going on. Um, I write in sprints. So I'll set a timer for 25 minutes and I'm not allowed to do anything but write words in those minutes. And then I get a break and then I go back and do it all over again.
1: I also do that occasionally and I think that's just because okay so shout out to my seventh grade English teacher okay I think she was the I think that class was the reason I realized that a I could be an author and b I wanted to be an author up to that point I think I only wanted to be a librarian I just Mm. wanted I wanted a life around books like that was Mm -hmm. like that was all I knew and so basically she had like her warm-up in class right you like come in and like on the board, you have like a 30 minute warm up for class where she gives you a random prompt. And I mean, it's just so vague. Like it was like, um, you allow your friend to borrow your favorite book and they don't return it. And now the book is happening in real life. Okay. I, I like it was just so random. And then she'll give you 30 minutes and you would have to create some type of short story based on that prompt, right? That's cool. My favorite part of the day. And I created some of the weirdest shit you have ever heard in your entire life, but I still have all of those papers. And I like go back and I'm like, damn, I was creative. I knew I could be an author. I knew I could do it. That's awesome. So I still do that. I still sprint because of that, because where she was just like, don't erase anything. Don't think about it. Just literally like dump everything. And that mm-hmm. was a way of like getting us creative to start the day. And so shout oh. out to you. I love that teacher. That was probably the only teacher that I actually liked. And my- Sprinter, dis- Sprinters unite. <laughs> for real. So what is the weirdest thing you've had to Google for a book? Oh, I yeah. Google
2: a lot of weird shit. I, um, <laughs> a lot. I, I mean, ugh it would be problematic if if somebody actually looked at my browser history. Um, I think probably the worst stuff that I've had to Google is things about like body decomposition. <laughs> we love it. You know, the author of romantic comedies, of course, I'm looking into how long it takes a corpse to rot. Um, but yeah, that was for uh, something in Bootleg Springs and obviously the Riley Thorne things. I'm constantly looking for new way to kill, <laughs> new way
0: to kill people.
2: <laughs> Um, figuratively <laughs> i mean
1: literaturally
2: <laughs> yeah it's yeah. for research yeah it's just research i'm not actually like committing these crimes i i'm just not that energetic
0: <laughs> i right? or the alters are one watch list somewhere i
1: know right when i die somebody better destroy my hard drive nobody better be letting my grandma see my computer yeah that's a good idea <laughs> i okay, so I have a group of guy friends that I've been friends with since we were like in elementary school, right? And so, and they all have particular, like (laughs) they have the particular set of skills. Like each of them are into like different things. And so I'm writing this dark romance series where I need some creative ways to like hurt people. (laughs) And I have this group on Snapchat called A Thousand Ways to Die. And it's me and these three guys. And I'll basically just like message them. And I'll be like, hey, um, hypothetically speaking, if I were to do said this, could I get away with it? And (laughs) then we'll come with like their own, like their own answer. Like one of them is a police officer. So
2: it comes in handy.
1: Like, it's like, it's fine. He was like, this is hypothetical, right? And like, he's like, I'm not gonna go to jail for like aiding and abetting. And I'm like, no, I promise (laughs) you'll, you know, it's fine. But yeah, so I'm telling you, Google, yeah, destroy my hard drive. Nobody needs mm-hmm. to see that. Anyway, Stevie, move, you can take on your reading questions. That's my last writing question.
0: Okay, so what book has your favorite cover? This can be one of yours or it can be one that you've read.
2: Um, I'm going to say for me, I'm going to say by a thread. Um, after Rock Bottom Girl came out, I, it was such a, we felt like we were taking such a chance by not putting people or a dude on the cover. And I mean, we went with a soccer ball, <laughs> but I loved the rock bottom girl cover. Cause it just gave off the vibe that, you know, the small town romantic comedy, sports romance. So when by a thread, when it was time to come up with that design, I was like, I don't want people, nobody's ever going to live up to the Dominic that I have in my mind. Yeah. Um, So I was kicking around, a lot of it takes place at a fashion magazine and I was kicking around the idea of like clothing racks or maybe like fancy cocktail dresses, maybe on the floor or whatever. And my, my designer, Carrie March actually came up with the pink cover with the white clothes hangers all over it. And it just like hit that vibe for me that I, I loved because it, you know, at heart it's, it's a romantic comedy. It's enemies to lovers. And I mean, it's super enemies (laughs) to lovers. Uh, And there's a lot of humor in it, but there's still so much heart and soul and, and family and all kinds of stuff that, you know, I squished into that book. So I just felt like the cover um, made me happy every time I
0: looked at it.
1: Listen, I love, I love a discreet cover. I love a naked man. I I am just (laughs) I, I don't even know how to explain it to people it's just there are just things about a cover like the vibe like yeah. I look at it and I'm like oh my god it's beautiful yep. and yeah and I don't even know how to explain it to people and they're like oh well, what's on it I'm like well ah, it's a soccer ball <laughs> but you've got to understand that it's a beautiful soccer ball really pretty <laughs> you need to know that it fits the vibe and they're like well what do you mean? And I'm like, I can't explain it. Okay. It's just beautiful. And I love it. And I bought it. Okay. Leave me alone.
0: (laughs) It's fine. So what attracts you to a book, the cover, the blurb, a recommendation or the title? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: All of the above, I guess, like I would never not buy a book because
2: I didn't like the cover or the title. Uh, also the blurb, you know, it, if I get a recommendation from somebody that I trust, somebody who I know has really good taste, it'll be an automatic one click for me. My, my assistant Joyce has really amazing taste in books. And if she's like, you need to read this, then I will pick it up because she does not lead me astray. So the recommendations are really important. Um, uh, I do love a good looking cover but I would never be like well I'm not buying that book because it sounds amazing but I just don't like the person on the cover <laughs> that's that's not that's not I don't me.
1: think I've ever said that ever
2: <laughs> there was I think there was a discussion in a reader group recently about people like no I if I do not like the man on the cover I will not buy the book and I was like oh my
1: you're missing out on so much Show me books yeah so many books I think okay so I'm not exactly for sure like what type of reader you are but I'm picking up on your vibe and I need you to read it is a young adult mystery novel but I think it's one of the most underratedly amazing books I've ever read it's called Wink Poppy Midnight I'll write that down and it's by April Genevieve
2: Genevieve is my grandmother's name well see we're off to a good start (laughs) actually it was Jewel Genevieve she was from West Virginia
1: Oh my God. What part?
2: I don't know. On a mountain somewhere.
1: Oh, that's all of West Virginia, but yeah, pretty much. I, but yes, it's called Wink Poppy Midnight and it is, it's so phenomenally written and it's, it's a thriller, but it's just, it's so good. You just need to awesome. read it, okay. it 100%. I love that book.
0: Anyways, moving forward, Stevie. So, who are some of your favorite authors and yes you can pimp your friends well
2: my favorite author is lucy score obviously i mean she's amazing (laughs) um i read everything um like everything so i always panic a little bit over this question because i don't know how to like condense it into a cute little list that Will help anybody do anything. So uh, obviously, I'm the biggest Nora Roberts fan ever. Uh, she, I think, yeah, she's incredible. I will read anything that she puts out. Um, Leanne Moriarty. Um, oh,
0: well,
2: yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yes. All right. Uh, so she's more okay. They called it women's fiction. I think they're calling it something weird now, like domestic something, whatever. Uh, so she doesn't write romance, but she writes about women and. Her books are incredible. Uh, Kennedy Ryan for romance is amazing. Like if you want something that's going to like rip your heart out. Oh, we love a Kennedy Ryan moment. Oh, she's so good. And she's just like, like she's my friend, but I just, sometimes I just want to smack her because she is so good. Like when I see like these little teaser line, I'm like, how do you put words together like that? It's like, how do you write? She's amazing. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, she's got a poet soul, man. Um, Claire Kingsley, of course, my co writer in the Bootleg Spring series. Um, I actually just picked up a book by Avery Maxwell. She's an indie author. Um, oh, I that- love Avery. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah, this was one uh, my PA Joyce was like, hey, I just read a couple of books by Avery. I think you really need to check them out. So I read one and loved it. Um, yeah, I'm reading The Midnight Library right now. Uh, I forget who wrote that, but not a romance, but it's got me hooked. It's really, really good. Yeah, I I read everything.
1: Me, that's me. Have you read Where the Crawdads Sing by Delilah? I did, I did. I, okay, I mark my words. I'll be dead when it happens, but mark my words. That I think that Where the Crawdad Sings is like a modern day tequila mockingbird.
2: Mm, yeah, I don't think that book is ever gonna not be on a bestsellers list somewhere.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, phenomenal. it's a permanent
2: fixture now.
1: Yeah, I think it's phenomenal. I think it was such a, oh my God, it was such a great book. Iconic, iconic. Anyway, iconic. I needed to put that out there. I needed to put that out there. And if you haven't read that book, where are you living? What what rock, <laughs> rock are you living? And you need to go, need to
0: go get it immediately, immediately. Okay. I feel like anytime somebody needs book recommendations, they should just listen to this podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, here's 45 books. Go, go, go.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure that happens because we have a couple like listeners who have like really become friends to us. And it's like, you gave us so many recommendations. I'm reading this book now. And one of them actually does not like reverse harem, but MJ's (laughs) talking about
1: theories so much. I am the greatest. She went and got it. I'm the greatest saleswoman in the history forever for everybody's books except for my own. Oh. I can sell a book to you in literally 15 seconds flat on a trope you never thought you'd read, but mm. I, I'll get you. I'll sell you. I'm telling you. She me. won't tell anybody that she has books out <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: so
1: stupid. But I guess my thing is is on this podcast and like for me especially my range of reading is so far out there. Like so mm-hmm. strange that it's like, I'll, I mean, anything you want aliens. I give you aliens. I got some aliens back here in the book. We're in here. Let me go to my TBR and just, you know, grab them out of there.
2: Right. I've yeah. Just
1: got, I've got, it's just vast. <laughs> Stephen King. Like, I mean, she will give you. No, he's the love of my life. Like I don't need to recommend him to anybody. Everybody just immediately knows that I am in love with him.
0: So. <laughs> right, anyways, moving forward. So do you prefer e-reader or physical copies? Both. Um
2: we when we used to travel <laughs> back in the day, um nothing beats a Kindle full of brand new books and a beach Ooh. in front of you. Love that. Um all of my favorite books I buy in paperback or hardback. Uh, and audio (laughs) like (laughs) I like the full experience so yeah yeah for ease of traveling I like the Kindle and for my favorites that I'm going to read again and again I get physical copies of those
0: Mm, same I buy physical copies obviously (laughs) I can tell from your
1: shelf (laughs) but I wish I could turn my I wish that I didn't look like death because I have like eight of those
0: (laughs) they will not get read Mm. I have e-reader versions of every single book for a reason (laughs) and those will get (laughs) read those are just to look pretty and make pretty TikToks with
1: (laughs) I literally just bought my third copy of Song of Achilles like I have three copies of that thing Mm -hmm. and I just bought my third one and my Mm. uh, my significant other is always like you have this book already and I'm like, yes, I have. Actually, I have two of these books already. But did you see the covers? They're very different. Look at the cover. <laughs> it's beautiful. And he's like, I just don't understand the prospect of buying three books that have the same words inside them. I'm like, because the cover is different. They're beautiful. It's special edition. And he's like, yeah, you have literal issues. And I'm like, yeah. And when
0: the hardback comes out, I'll be buying that too. Mm-hmm. So just prepare.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Look, so I just, I just went and bought uh, A.L. Jackson's new book. Oh. We've been talking about it, so I've been talking about it so much, because I'm obsessed with this book. It is raining cats and dogs outside. It destroyed me in the best way, and I'm still not recovered, so. Oh, man. Give me a reason everybody should read it. <laughs> nice. I'm obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your last five-star read?
2: Uh the last romance book that I finished was the Avery Maxwell book, One Little Mistake, five stars. Yeah,
0: that was that great. Was That's a good book.
2: Yeah. I was, I also was just rereading uh, nonfiction, uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear, also five stars. Oh my
1: God, I love him. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I love that book him. is
2: amazing. The, oh my gosh, like just life changing.
1: Love. Oh my God. Super smart. Figure- I just love talking po- books. This podcast makes me so happy. It fuels me. It gives me energy. With the pneumonia,
0: <laughs> look, I can- Kindle Kindle unveiled today that you officially can re- you can officially take out twenty books
2: from Ku. Awesome from
0: Ku. It is official. <laughs> it is all over. The Ooh, place. Go grab those Lucy Score books. <laughs> They're phenomenal. I will I've tell. got a couple out. <laughs> Start with Rock Bottom
1: Girl. Holy shit. It'll hook you. Anyways, so this is our last section of the podcast and it is like, okay, let me clarify that it is our favorite, not because it is the last, but because it contains our favorite questions. I need to clarify so that authors don't get offended because I realized that I have been saying this is our favorite portion of the podcast. It's the end. And it's like, that's not what I meant by that. So anyways, trope questions. What is your favorite trope to write and why? Before I
2: answer that I'm probably going to mash trope and genre together just because do I don't follow rules.
1: Uh, <laughs> Lauren, I don't either. That's that's the way
2: I roll. So I'm a rom-com enemies to lovers small town mystery girl. Lo- I that. love just taking all of that and smushing it together. Uh, I Enemies to lovers is my all-time favorite. Built-in conflict is amazing and yeah, that's my, that's my jam.
0: That is the top genre on this podcast. And yes. yeah. it's always enemies these to lovers. Excellent.
2: Yeah. I mean, they've got, they've got a lot to overcome and there's natural sparks built in.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you enemies to lover gives you the best hate sex.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Like you can't
2: beat it when you
0: read it. Even yeah, just I mean, friends to lovers, it's like, well, I
2: already really, really like you. So right. now we can go have sex and hey, I really, really like that too. Yay. You know, great. That's awesome. But I really like the. Uh,
0: but when they hate each
1: it's other, it's so much better. Plus, <laughs> I feel oh, like you yeah. get to know each other so much deeper. Mm-hmm. in enemies to lovers than you do if you're just like friends but right. i mean because
2: you have to you start at the top you have all of these misconceptions or all yep. of this history with that person and you have to overcome that and learn who they really are now
0: exactly oh god i love it i'm here for it yay okay <laughs> what is one trope you would eventually like to write and why i want to do fairy tale like a okay, report. like i want to do like a
2: rom-com fair i want like princess bride with sex oh my
1: god yes
2: i would read that i would read that (sighs) yeah yeah i totally i want i want to write that i'm here and of course it'll involve enemies to lovers
1: (laughs) oh (laughs) my god princess bride and it's, I think it's, it's like easier,
2: love. it's easier for me to do like, because I love forbidden love too, but I'm not super comfortable writing that. Cause like nowadays, like what kind of love is forbidden? Well, you shouldn't sleep with your blood relatives, I guess. And that's not super sexy to me. So, yeah. so if fairy tales, there are a lot of forbidden love stories that I could write and I could play around with that and
1: listen I don't care I don't even care if people shit on me for it I feel like okay so I'm not like a hardcore feminist but I am a major feminist but the feminism leaves my body immediately when I am reading like a fantasy fairy tale like whatever I'm like yes I love this man who was mansplaining the shit (laughs) out of this whole thing but I love him I don't even care. I don't even care. And I also, I don't care how many times people do it. I will read Romeo and Juliet retellings until the day I die. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. I love those books. I love them. Well, I don't care. obviously
2: that storyline resonates with a huge audience for generations. So, I mean, people who complain <laughs> about it, that you probably it complain
1: about Hot chocolate, too. I don't know. Something everybody Something likes. about star-crossed lovers that just do yeah. it for me. Yeah. So what is one trope you will never write and why?
2: Historical. So obviously I'm going genre instead of trope there. But um, I don't have the... Uh, time and patience to actually like be historically accurate. So, and I know that historical readers are, are huge sticklers for accuracy, even in fiction. And I know that they do not, they're not like comfortable with any variation. So I would like, I would not do well. in in any of those storylines, which is why I want to write a fairy tale because then I can make up my own rules because it's my own world. Uh, But yeah, I love reading historical, love Julie Garwood, uh, but I would never attempt to write any kind of like historic romance because that would just, I would upset readers.
1: (laughs) I really, I have a job for listeners. I really want to read a book or a series of books based on like grim brother fairy tales but romance versions
0: mm. okay katie uh, i think it's katie roberts her wicked villain series of yes yeah I you know that. Of um you know if that. you have so because they are not on ku and this is a good thing for for listeners if they do not know this hoopla which is through the, your public library if you download hoopla her books are on hoopla and you can rent them via hoopla nice okay, and cool. you can put that on your kindle if you have an uh, fire. Cool. all right i'm gonna have to check that out all right stevie you can take the last question okay so if you were in a book what trope would
2: you want for your story mm-hmm. well if I was currently in a book my story would be hot mess for sure hot mess heroin um uh, if i had my choice um oh gosh i don't know if i would pick enemies to lovers for myself oh oh um uh, the Ugly Duckling makeover thing. Yeah, I always wanted a makeover with a music montage and everything. I think that would be good. But like in
1: Princess Bride. <laughs> there's no, wait, there
2: there's no makeover in Princess Bride. Is yes, there? there
1: is. What are you talking about? Yes, wait. there is. Are we talking about the same one? Are talking about the princess's Diaries. Yeah. No. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. Big
2: big. Big difference. My babe. bad.
0: Listen. Large, Listen. large difference. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Diary. Stevie listening. got it. She's like, mm, you're
1: talking
2: about the Princess Diaries.
1: <laughs> I love those books. Okay, Mia Thermopolis is one of my favorites. Yeah, so
2: I would, I would be a romantic comedy with a makeover.
1: <laughs> okay, cool. Got it. Got it. So the Princess Diaries. <laughs> It.
0: got it okay I so he was a billionaire just because he would not i mean oh yeah
2: yeah
1: hey
0: he doesn't, he doesn't even have to be secret, secret right work. they say money can't buy happiness but it sure can help i think it could yeah
1: i absolutely would do a reverse harem i never am changing my answer my answer is a reverse harem everything's like a lot of work not for me, though. <laughs> She's Not already got me. her harem picked out from multiple books. Not for me, though. Not for me. <laughs> it's a five-guy, one-girl situation, and I don't even have to do anything. Hmm. Because, yeah, it's my harem. I control it. <laughs> so that is our last question for you, Lucy. You have been so phenomenal. You've been great. I'm going to let Stevie announce who our next episode is, and then we're going to tell you goodbye. Okay. I think by the end of this, I need a soundboard
0: for next year. Um, this, is, this is episode, t- this will be episode 10. Um, so Harlow James is next.
1: Yay. I love her. I, I love, love so Harlow much. James. I literally cannot wait to chat with her. But Lucy, thank you so much for joining us on our anniversary. You have been super funny and super awesome. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor and happy anniversary. Thank you so much. We hope to chat with you soon. Did you you cut it?